Where did the month of May go? Do you ever feel overwhelmed like your head is bobbing in the water? Most of the time it's above the water, but every now and then, ah, the weight. The weight of everything you need to get done pushes you under the water for a moment and you feel like you can't breathe. I've been there lately. I'm so extremely grateful for all that God is doing. But man, there's times where I feel like I'm a bobber in the water. Sometimes my head's above the waves and other times it's under the water trying to catch my breath. You know what? Thank goodness. I don't and you don't. We all don't have to do it alone. You know, sometimes when our heads are are bobbing in the waves, that's when God brings people into our lives and helps us get pulled back out. If you're trying to do it on your own, stop it. God's got someone waiting to help you just to ask. You'll be surprised how soon you'll find your head above the water again. Today, I met a new friend named Shayla, and I so enjoyed our conversation about life, friends, and making much of Jesus. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did, and as always, I hope you find a little more joy in your journey. Thank you so much for enjoying the journey today. We are excited. We have a new friend on with us. Her name is Shayla. Shayla, welcome to the podcast. It has been so fun talking to you off record or off the air. Yeah. I, I cannot wait to have our conversation today. Can you just tell us a little bit about who you are? And uh, yeah. Sure. Well, well, I have um, the privilege of living in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I'm in Vancouver, Canada. So on the West Coast, just a little north of Seattle. And um, I come from an immigrant family. And so that's a part of who I am. And I'm the oldest child, which should also tell you a little bit more about me. <laughs> and my what gives me a paycheck, but is also my passion is working with Alpha, Alpha Canada and Alpha International, which is an evangelism organization. And I'm married. My husband's a police officer. He uh, was formerly on the canine unit. So we have dogs and he trained dogs. And, uh, and then he is now on the beat with uh, the Vancouver Police Force. So we have two dogs, no children, happily married for coming on 22 years. That's awesome. And we were talking before we got going that he is of Dutch descent, which of course yes. I relate to. That's so right. That, that is uh, that is wonderful. I, I always say the Dutch are so fabulous because they have great theology. They're liberal in its practice and they're always ready to laugh and have fun. I love the Dutch community. They are just amazing. Where is your Dutch community? Because they seem way different around here. But I'm with <laughs> Maybe you. those are Canadian <laughs> Dutch immigrants. That might be Canadian Dutch. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering about where we're at with the Dutch. Sometimes we are known as stoic, a little stuffy, a little... Now, hey, I, I didn't say I was one of those. I'm, I'm, I'm just that, that. Okay, I just want to tell you, stuffy and stoic would never describe any Dutch people I know in Canada. So this is really interesting. When can I get a flight to Canada? Come <laughs> hang out with you guys. Come and hang out. I with love them. this. This is awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I wish I could put in a bottle right now. Um, what Dutch sometimes is considered around where I live, because it sounds like it is the complete opposite of what you are. That's shocking. I even know Dutch people in Holland, in the Netherlands, because I work with a lot of them and they are just a barrel of laughs. I have the best time with the Dutch. So, you know, perhaps well, the American Dutch have, you know, taken on a bit more serious tone. I'm starting to think so. And I think it's time for me to do some research because 
there have been times where I'm like, I'm Dutch, but I'm not sure I want to tell anybody that because I don't want to be kind of stuffy. You or... come to Canada, they'll think you're amazing just because you say, yeah, I'm Dutch. They'll be like, <laughs> fun. This middle, the, the middle name of this man is fun. I love, I love fun. I love to laugh. I love to have a good time. And we are so excited to have you, have you on today. And yes, I understand that, that you do some things with, uh, with Alpha. Can you tell us a, a, a little bit about Alpha? Sure. Uh, Alpha, it was birthed out of the UK in central London in what is a very diverse and young city. And it was birthed as sort of a discipleship course, but it then got transformed into an evangelistic course. And it's an 11-week course that creates a space online or in person um, where people are excited to bring their friends, their friends from different religious backgrounds, their friends that might consider themselves atheist, agnostic, maybe they had some sort of Christian background, gave it up. And they bring their friends for a conversation about life, faith, and Jesus. And the whole atmosphere is about welcome, come as you are, say anything, and you are loved. And I think that it's been just a spectacular course, particularly during COVID, when people weren't able to go out. And in Canada, as we're recording this, we're in very heavy lockdown across our country. And so we Alpha Online has provided a safe place for thousands and thousands of Canadians to come and ask their spiritual questions, which has been fabulous. So I love it. It's, it's an environment of hospitality and acceptance and love and truth telling about Jesus. Oh, that's awesome. And I know you have a passion for Jesus, just from meeting you, talking before we started this, reading your bio and back, background. Can, can you let us in a little bit about that passion, how you got yeah. there, what your faith walk has looked like over the last yeah, well, I grew up in an immigrant home. My parents uh, immigrated from India. My mom uh, had been educated in England and her parents were born in England. She happened to be born in India. Came back, met my dad, and they immigrated to Canada. So my family's always sort of felt like a global family. Okay. So growing up, we would have people come through our home that were uh, Hindu faith, Jains, agnostics, atheists, they'd come and stay with us. And I just watched as my mom, who is very passionate about Jesus since the time I was born, my dad, not so much, um, just live out this life of hospitality and love and acceptance and how she would always use both actions and words to help people understand Christ. And so I saw that modeled in my home. Mm -hmm. And, but when I went off to university, I was like, Jesus back burner, because I wanted to fit in and I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I wasn't convinced that the faith of my family was the faith I was going to live out. So I always say Jesus was on the back burner. And then in my last year of university, I met a young woman, a Christian who was blonde and beautiful and athletic and smart and kind of broke the stereotypes I had. I'd grown up in a small rural community church where the youth group was made up of myself, my siblings, the youth group leaders and their kids who were younger than me. Like that's how tiny our youth group was. So I didn't see a lot of young people as Christians in my church upbringing. So going to university, I saw even fewer and then I met her and I was like, what? This person can be these things and a Christian. I thought you kind of wait till you're like in your 50s to become a Christian when, you know, you might have kids and have a little bit more needs. And she just won me over with love. She she just was so fascinated with who I was and listened. And in university, most people are there for themselves. Sure. And to find someone who's just there for me 
me. It was just so compelling. And she would always talk about Jesus. So I joined a Bible study with her. She thought I wouldn't ever show up, but I was, you know, kind of one, one foot in the world, one foot in Bible study on a weeknight. And by the end of my university, the fence hit hurt too much. And I jumped off the fence and jumped right into um, the kingdom of God in, in a way that I decided for myself as an adult, that it wasn't the faith of my family. It was my personal faith. And I, I think the only way to describe it is I took off. Wow. I think all the things I'd learned at the feet of my mom, just it dropped from my head to my heart, all the modeling she'd done. And I just was so excited about Jesus. And at the same time, I was so sad that I had been a student leader, met lots of people, had lots of influence. But because I wasn't walking with Jesus at the time, I didn't use that influence in that way. And I really felt bereft that I hadn't had a chance to share my faith with so many students that I'd been friends with. Wow. Wow. And is that where the the passion, because were you with Crew before Alpha? Yeah, I was eight and a half years with Crew. I was in what was then known as their Women in Leadership Ministry. It's now known as Leader Impact. Wow. And I was with them. And I think the burning passion I had, and I still have, mm -hmm. is if I was one student at a university with 35,000 students who was just like spiritually kind of adrift. And I only met one other person who was a Christian who helped lead me to the Lord. What about those other students? Who is helping them? And so I've always had a passion for young people to meet Jesus. Uh, this, And I would say I've kept it, let's say, quite hot in my life. Like it's something I'm passionate about because I try and spend time with people that don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I try and spend more time with Jesus. It's this combination that makes me, I just think Jesus is more and more wonderful than I ever imagined. He's better and better all the time. Wow. But at the same time, I see a world, particularly during the pandemic, who is desperate for, for understanding meaning and purpose and having hope. I'm like, guys, did you, do you know Jesus? And, and I'll just tell you one quick story that I... I have had the chance to get my to know my neighbors even better. And uh, one of them came over before Christmas and she had tried to take her own life. Mm. And when she came over, she's doing all the right things to get healthy, you know, from a worldly medical perspective. And I said to her, all I can offer you is Jesus. It's all I have to offer you. And she didn't grow up in a Christian home, doesn't have a lot of Christian background, but I just knew Jesus is your hope. Mm -hmm even in the midst of struggles. And so I think that's what has always kept me passionate is Jesus is better than I ever knew him to be. And the people that need him really need him. Absolutely. And I know we were talking a little while ago before we started too, that you have walked through, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm going to let you describe that. But this mm. wrestling of hurt, healing, Jesus, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all of it. And, and can you, can you take our listeners through that, through yeah. what you've walked through? Uh, I am going to be 49 soon. So this story starts when I was 32 Okay. and uh, my best friend was diagnosed with breast cancer. She found the lump when she was breastfeeding her uh, baby. Wow. It was her second child and was immediately diagnosed with cancer, went through treatment. But again, a lot of people will know when you're diagnosed with breast cancer pre-menopausal, it's a much more dangerous diagnosis than after you've hit menopause as a woman. And five years later, it came back and she was given six months to live. Wow. And 
my best friend and the same one who led me to Jesus in university. Her name was Rachel. And blonde gal. mm -hmm, Yep. She, she uh, led me to the Lord in university. She introduced me to my husband and recruited me to ministry. Very important woman in my life. I would say. Yeah. And so when she was diagnosed the first time, you know, is that fight mentality, like, let's fight this, let's give you all the support we can. But when it came back at when she was 37, it was had already metastasized in her bones and her liver. And so it was a terminal diagnosis. And I can't tell you how many people were praying, literally thousands of people, because she was connected, her family's Christian, friends Christian, lots of people knew lots of people who wanted to pray for a mom with two young children. Her kids were five and seven. And, you know, within six months, she had died. And it was terribly tragic. I mean, just watching her kids so young without a mom. And I remember thinking at that time, God, where are you? Like, God, like, I believe in miracles. I've seen people miraculously healed. I believe in miracles. And we prayed, but you didn't answer. And so that was heartbreaking. And we have spent years and um, countless prayers and moments and hours with um, her husband and two children who I adore. And within a year and a half, I suddenly found myself diagnosed with a terrible disease myself. And it's called Cryptococcus gatii. So here you can imagine, we've just, as a friendship circle, families, et cetera, helped my friend Rachel die well, and she died beautifully in the sense that with filled with faith, filled with trust, and she gave a talk actually three months before dying, and the talk was, uh, um, death is not dying. Death is not dying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 500 women in a room, and she just preached about why the good news of the gospel mm-hmm. was so impactful for her. And so you can only imagine that a year and a half later, I'm diagnosed with Cryptococcus gatii, which is a very rare infectious disease that is a form of meningitis. It's fungal meningitis. When you're diagnosed with it, you end up with a growth on your brain and it's multiplying very quickly. So your brain has swollen. You need lumbar punctures, MRIs, lung uh Uh, lung x-rays on a regular basis because they're trying to make sure that um, it doesn't get worse. I was put in the hospital in the Canadian system. If you're in the hospital for very long, it's a bad thing. And I was told I'd be in for eight weeks and the drugs are as bad as the disease. So the drugs can cause your bones to become brittle and, and crumble. You could go blind. You could go deaf. They're, they're always um, checking your vitals, particularly with your organs, because your liver and your kidney could go into failure from the, from the drugs you have to take to fight the disease. And I remember the seriousness of it at the time and uh, thinking every night I'd have panic attacks for the first few nights because I thought I was going to die. And, uh, and then the third night, very, very heavily drugged. I remember crying out to Jesus and saying, would you please tell me if if I'm going to die? Because if I am, I want to call people to my bedside and tell them about Jesus. And that sounds very contrived. It was not. That is how passionate I am. And I was like, who haven't I told about Jesus that I love that will worry about me? I want them to not worry about me. And that night Jesus said to me, and I was sure it was the Lord, you won't die from this. I remember telling my husband the next day, I'm not going to die from this. This is great news. And he was like, yeah, you've had a lot of drugs. Yes. Like you are heavily drugged. And I said to him, I know the voice of God in my life. Wow. I will be okay. 
it's going to be a journey. And I was still in the hospital for many weeks after that. But at five and a half weeks in, I was still in a great deal of pain and having all these tests and blood taken five day, five times a, a day through the night, et cetera. And my minister came in and my minister came in and to offer communion. So it was Good Friday. And I had to be isolated, not seeing people because I was so sick. And he was allowed in and he offered us communion. And he said something that he's never said before. He said, I'd like to pray for healing. I believe God wants to heal you. Never said it to another person before. And he laid hands. Can I ask, just out of curiosity, what what background or denomination? Our church is brethren. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it would be like, I would call it conservative evangelical. Well, because what I'm trying to get at is you said he's never said, I want to pray for healing or whatever. He's prayed for healing. He's never believed that God wanted to heal me. That's a very, like we prayed for healing, but he actually said, I believe God wants to heal you. Right. Now that's a different statement than can I pray for healing? Absolutely. And, and not that you're going to a church every week where they believe that are laying hands. Oh no. That's what I'm trying to get at. Oh no. That, that, this was very unusual. Wow. Yeah. So he comes in. And- so he comes in and we, of course, prayed. We had communion. And then on the Tuesday, so it's Easter weekend, the Tuesday after Easter, I go in for an MRI and they're checking for this marker, you know, this um, multiplying growth in my brain to see how, if it's slowing down and the drugs are working. And the one thing they tell you is that this growth, when the drugs have worked, you'll always have a scar on the back of your brain. It's just going to be there permanently. So, you know, if you ever brain issues in the future. Don't, don't let the doctors be frightened by this little scar. And, uh, on the Tuesday I had the MRI Wednesday morning, my infectious diseases specialist rushes into our room and says, have you got the MRI results? And we said, no, we haven't. He said, you're not going to believe it. The fungal ball is gone. I was like, well, that's amazing. Cause that's what we wanted the drugs to do. He said, no, no, you don't understand. The fungal ball is gone and there is no scar. It's as if it didn't exist. You can go home today. Oh, wow. Well, my husband Ryan is weeping. I'm crying. (laughs) We're saying out loud in our hospital, praise Jesus. He's amazing. He's healed me. Of course, the doctor's like, well, I don't know about that. (laughs) But he did say, I don't know how this has happened. Wow. I don't know how this has happened. And I went home that day and, you know, I have had not one problem with any after effects from the drugs. I've had no lingering effects of um, like liver or kidney problems. You know, I still have some side effects from it, but very, very minor. And they warn you when you have this disease, you may never go back to work and or full time. Well, let me tell you, I work full time, no problem. God has restored my body. But here's the crazy thing, Rob. Why didn't, why didn't Rachel get that healing? She has, you know, had a husband and two children. I don't have children. I would have been an easier one to take. Like there wasn't sort of this aftermath of two kids who've had to grow up without a mom. Mm. And I don't know why. I'll never, I, I likely will never know why. Maybe in heaven, God will tell me even if it's important at that point to me. I don't know. But what I do know is Somehow in the midst of this, I can hold in one hand disappointment, um, grief, 
longing for a different result. And in the other hand, joy at the power of a miraculous God who can do anything. And so I love to pray for people for healing. And I pray with deep faith because mm. I've experienced it myself, but I don't pray in a way that doesn't honor disappointment, grief, sadness, and, you know, a real longing for miracles that don't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's true. They don't always happen. At no. least not this side of heaven. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you know that, right? Yeah. I'm sure you I'm, would love a miracle. As I'm sitting talking to you in my wheelchair, woo, you know, I, I just had this conversation with a friend. There's a picture in my office from two years ago, the festival. So you and I were talking before we got started that, mm -hmm. that I was ambulatory and I still mm -hmm. am technically ambulatory. It's just not what you would expect from before. I, I don't walk like I did. I don't walk without assistance. When I give up, get up and get to give the message at Rise Fest, I usually stand behind mm -hmm. something. I used to be able to stand there with no podium and mm -hmm. it was no big deal. Now I have to have a podium. I used to walk out. Then I needed assistance walking out. And then now I wheel out. And then my son uh, in 2019, he's now 18, mm -hmm. uh, stood me up. Well, as I got done, I needed to get back in the chair. And so I sat back down and I don't remember what was happening, but somebody took a picture. Okay. I, I want to try and give this uh, so you can see it in your mind. So I am in my chair. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've got the, you know, the, the headset mic coming mm -hmm. down to here and I'm closing things up, but I must've started praying or something because mm -hmm. what is captured on film mm -hmm. is me in the chair, but my son with his one hand on my shoulder standing behind me, mm. just this solemn tight pose. I don't know if it's him saying, I got you dad or what, but it's one hand on my shoulder and it's now a picture somebody took mm. in my, my office and I look at it. And, and so we're having this conversation about healing. You mm -hmm. are exactly right. Yes. I want to be healed. I, I'm a little scared of it because I, I don't know what that would look like. I mean, this is what I've known for, for a very long time. I, I always tell my kids and my wife, I say, you better pray to God I don't get healed. If you can't keep up with me now, you better look out. If well, I, I was going to say, Rob, that I can tell that's true. I can tell that's true. <laughs> and so we're having this conversation and I looked at that picture and I said to my friend, Mike, I said, Mike, what goes through my head? Because I've had people ask me and I've had people put their hands on me and, and pray for healing. I've had people out. I was in Washington, D.C. one time, never met this woman before in my life. I wheeled into what was called David's tent, the prayer tent that was on the National Mall for almost a year where they were praying 24 hours a day. We wheeled in from Iowa, never met this person before. I'm in a cart, not a wheelchair, but I'm in a cart. And she w walks over to me and she goes, Rob. God just told me you have a muscle disease, not what's wrong with you, specifically a muscle disease. Now, she didn't call it muscular dystrophy. She said muscle. And she said something about healing. And then and then she spoke something into me that made sense to me at the time of what I was wrestling with and, and different things. Hmm. Did it manifest in that moment? It, no. And, and so you wrestle with, OK, God, why? Or, or I'll mm. hear this. Well, if you were healed, you know, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. 
I don't know. I'm not healed, so I can't tell you whether I would. And so I looked at that picture as we're having this conversation because Mike and I have had many conversations about it. Of course, I believe in healing. Exactly mm -hmm. what you described. I believe wholeheartedly that that can happen. Um, and I said, Mike, look at that picture. I said, that's a son with his dad, with his mm -hmm. arm on his shoulder. I said, God's using that in ways. When he helps me up sometimes at a church before I speak, people will say, no sermons needed. The message just happened. Mm -hmm. Or I said to him, Mike, look at me in that chair. Sometimes I think I won't get healing because I don't know if I could handle the guilt that I may feel if I was healed, but somebody mm -hmm. else wasn't. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know why God hasn't healed me yet. I am I going to stop praying for it? Not necessarily. Do I pray for it every day? N not for miraculous healing. Mm -hmm. I pray for strength. Mm -hmm. I pray for energy. Mm -hmm. I pray for open doors, but specifically for healing. At this time, no, you, you know, I don't because I just want to do the will of the Father. I really do. I want to tell mm -hmm. people about Jesus. A conversation I had recently, somebody said, you know, sometimes when you're a disabled believer, you're a transmitter of hope. And that's what I want to continue to do. Do I want to be healed? Sure, I do, because my body hurts and I get sick of it. And I get sick of people mm -hmm. helping me around and whatever. But at the same time, if I can be a transmitter, all right, mm -hmm. we'll keep fighting. But this yeah. idea of why some and why not others, I don't have an answer. My uh, good friend, uh, Bishop Sandy Miller, mm. he said in his church when they prayed for healing for no one. No one got healed. Oh, there you go. When they prayed for healing for everyone, some did. And he said, which way would you rather bet? I like that. And I need to be reminded of that. That is good. And I think the people that have not received healing are often the ones when they pray for others' healings that they get healed. I don't know why it is. I've seen it so many times where people have the gift of the supernatural gift of healing from the Lord that they themselves aren't healed, but they pray for others and they get healed. It's it's remarkable. It's remarkable. The kingdom of God is always a little upside down and backwards from a worldly perspective. But I do think God is amazing. And in some way, he wants us to just faithfully pray for healing, even though not everyone gets healed. Amen. Amen. I, I had that opportunity one time to pray for somebody. It wasn't uh it was an addiction. It wasn't a, a physical healing. Yeah, but that's still something that needs healing. And and it, I prayed and he emailed me that the addiction was gone. Praise God. I, I hold on to that. To this day, this was many, many years ago. It, it was a, a nicotine addiction or, or, or whatever. And I pray that it still is. But that was one of those moments. And, and yeah, we've, we've got to pray for miracles. When we do an outdoor festival in Iowa, that tornadoes don't knock us out year after year after year or rainstorms. Or, and we have watched God miraculously just two years ago. Somebody came out of a, a McDonald's parking lot. And in context, where the McDonald's is, where, where the highway is, and where our grounds would start are very, very close in proximity. The highway, the highway runs just south of the grounds. Wow. You're talking, 
I don't know, 500, 600, 700 feet to get to the edge of our grounds, give or take. And the rain stopped there on the highway. And that's what we needed. That's what we needed. <laughs> oh, the Lord. I just love, you know, I just love learning more about him. Not only his works through the scriptures, which we love to read about, and we can plummet steps for all of our lives, but also then his works in creation and his works in humans. And, and it's just miraculous. We get to witness the most amazing things in our lifetime. Absolutely. So now with this loss of your best friend and your mm -hmm. miraculous healing, how, how long has that been? It's been 10 years this past April was 10 years since I've been miraculously healed. Wow. Yeah. Are you still close with the husband? And mm -hmm. kids? Yeah, the kids are really important to me. I love them as much as I could ever understand what it's like to have a mother's love. I feel a mother's love towards them. Awesome. So your miraculous healing did not put a wedge, a block, anything in that relationship. No. I hope it's as beautiful as it ever could be. And I hope that in some way, uh, the two kids would see me as uh, like a godmother auntie who just adores them and who prays for them. You know, just meeting you never before. <laughs> I know that's true. There's no Thank doubt you, in my Rob. mind. There is no doubt in my mind. My kids could have somebody like you in their life because mm. you are a beautiful shining light and, and oh uh, thank you i sincerely mean that you have a personality and a look uh with the gospel in jesus that is just it's uh inspiring and refreshing oh robert i so kind i will tell you it's because i surround myself with people who love jesus and know him better than i do and I watch their lives and I try and learn from them. And then I try and spend more time in the Bible, understanding it. And I really think for every Christian, um, the joy of our Christian journey is making much of Jesus and seeing oh, that you just said it the way I love it. No, oh, that's why I freaked out. You have no idea what you just said. So it's your line. Have I stolen your line? No. Well, kind. No, no, I, I won't <laughs> say you steal it. But but we did an event this this uh, winter called Exalt. Yep. Exalt. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I looked up Exalt and it said to exalt is to raise to the highest of heights. So if we are to exalt God, we are to make much of Jesus. And I love the words make much of Jesus. It's one of my favorite expressions, but now I'll know I've copied you. <laughs> I copied whatever was on the internet, but well, you, you oh. know, I just, you know, making much of Jesus is my favorite thing, but you know, who loves making much of Jesus more than you and I do the Holy spirit. Yes. The Holy spirit loves making much of Jesus more than we do. And so I think, you know, if I was to think about what has been the power source of my whole life of able to love these two kids, able to um, do ministry work, able to, you know, do COVID good over the last year yeah. in a bit. I've learned that's a new expression, COVID good, which means not as great as it could be, but not too bad. <laughs> uh, I've done COVID good. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I think that's how we make much of Jesus is we pray more, come Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus in our lives. 
I'm going to steal that one from you. Oh, that's so, I think you just gave me confirmation on this year's theme for the festival. Ooh, are you going to release it now? Are we going to like hear yeah. it right here, right now? Or are you going to hold it back? Okay, you can hold it back. You can hold it back. But let's oh. just say that I think, okay, so now, so now I'm just going to tell you what I think here yes. for a moment. When we invite the Holy Spirit on a regular basis to come and fill us afresh daily mm -hmm. with what we need for life. He's going to make much of Jesus. He's going to have him glorified in our life. And he's going to activate us for his kingdom. Oh. So I think what is happening in the world today is we, we particularly in the West, have made a lot of Jesus and the Father. But I think they're both saying, what about the Holy Spirit? Let's make, let's really be filled with the Holy Spirit ongoingly because he will always make much of Jesus in our lives. Absolutely. And when we activate the spirit, that's when we start to think, see things change mm -hmm. in miraculous ways. Yeah. My favorite prayer and the simplest prayer, whether you're in a good place or bad place is come Holy Spirit and oh. then waiting on him and he'll fill I, you. Oh, I have had so much fun. <laughs> chatting with you today oh it's been my great God. rob you filled my heart in ways I, 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 you're almost making me emotional dutch don't like being emotional at least not around here but canadian dutch might be different but again <laughs> we're gonna bring you up here we're I'm gonna bring you up here i'm starting to think i might be a canadian dutch and i didn't even know i think you are you oh. just you just say i'm a canadian dutch but if people say you don't fit in here oh that is that is awesome well as as we mentioned always, we talk about this podcast being called Enjoying the Journey. Mm -hmm. We have talked a lot about a journey today. Oh, it's, I'm fired up right now. I, I'm, I'm, yes, that's why I'm somewhat speechless as well. But we always ask all of our guests this question. Yes. Okay, because it's called Enjoying the Journey, if you could have anyone on the journey with you right now, and it's anyone, who would it be? Rachel, my friend who died. I thought about this because you'd sent me this question. And I was like, Lord, who do I want it to be? Like, yes, I could give you the right answer, which is Jesus. I'd like to walk <laughs> beside Jesus. I know. And then I thought, who am I longing for? Mm. And honestly, Rob, I long for her as a deep soul friendship. I long for her to be here for her kids and her husband. I long for her to be here to share my life journey with me and to see her legacy in my life. Like she never saw me become the national director of Alpha Canada to do the kind of public speaking I do, the kind of um, passion I have for evangelism magnified from when she was alive. And I just, I just wish she could come and see that she lives on in me. You are such a beautiful friend. It's, it's, I wish people could see you. We, we, we won't have the video of this, but you just beam. And oh, thanks, Rob. To talk about a friend like that, we all need, and we have them. Some of us have friends like that, but, but we all need more of those friends. What a beautiful uh, tribute, but also just a beautiful heart to say I long to have her that she was my deep soul connection mm -hmm. and what a beautiful beautiful friend that you still are to her and to her husband and kids but yeah wow god is using you mightily and the last question i want to ask you mm -hmm. is just what takeaways 
would you want our listeners to have today? Any, one, two. Yeah, I'd love to invite people to consider what does it mean to pray at some point in your day or multiple times in your day with your hands sort of out in front of you, palms turned up. It's the opposite of having your arms crossed over your chest, kind of God, I dare you. Instead, it's this physical posture of hands out in front of you where you just pray, come Holy Spirit, and then you wait. And you may feel something you may not, but what we know is whenever we invite the Holy Spirit to come, he comes. And you and know what else he does. What, and he glorifies Jesus. And, and he, he makes, makes much, much of Jesus. Of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so I would just encourage your listeners just even to take that posture every day mm. to just say, come Holy Spirit. And he'll do the rest. It's a wonderful gift. And when Jesus says it's better than I, that I go away because the helper will come. He knew better than we did. We'd need a helper. And we have him. Wow, Shayla. You, wow. I just, well, everybody's standing, giving you a standing ovation right now. That's, that's oh. what we're hearing. <laughs> Let's give uh, Jesus a standing yeah, ovation. There you it's go. It's his spirit. It's his it spirit. <laughs> spirit speaking through you, but we have been blessed beyond belief. Thank you for being on the journey. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.